You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Grab your Bibles, turn to Titus chapter 2. We're continuing our uh, trek through Titus this morning. Only two verses this morning, verses 9 and 10. Uh, But I'm excited, before we jump into those verses, I'm excited about our text this morning. Um, And you might read it real quick and go, really? You're excited about that? Well, I am, because it's like the first four verses of the book. If you were here with us and you remember that, those first four verses of the book of Titus was Paul's introduction to the book and himself. And, and we, we learned that as we dug into it, as we, as we peeled back the layers, as we crunched through the outer shell of the Tootsie Roll pipe and got to the center of it or peeled back to chocolate on the Cadbury cream egg, that there was so much more than just the surface, hey, I'm Paul, this is what I'm about, this is what I do. We, it, Paul revealed that he was a bondservant of Christ, that he chose to subject himself to surrender, to humbly come underneath Christ Jesus as his Lord and Savior and Master. He knew who he was or whose he was. And Paul knew the gospel. And that's what he was about because he experienced it in his own life. Because Christ pursued him on that Damascus road. And you can read that in the book of Acts. But Christ pursued him and called him out. Paul, a guy who was seeking out and persecuting and torturing and jailing and jailing and killing Christians. And God said, no, you're going to be on my team now. And then Paul's purpose then became crystal clear to him. It was to advance the gospel, advance the love of Jesus Christ to others as he'd experienced. And that was just the first four verses in the introduction of this book. And and we can easily blow through things like that and even our scriptures this morning and not take the time to dig into it. So we're going to do that. Verses 9 and 10. And it's only two verses. If you were willing and you wouldn't mind, would you want to stand with me? We can read these together. I'm not going to be offended if you don't. Verse 9. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. It should be right here. So just feel free. If you don't have that version and you want to say exactly what I'm saying, you can read it with me. If you've got King James or NIV or whatever else and you want to read that out loud while we read this, you're not going to bother me. Okay? All right. Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back, or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God, our Savior, in everything. All right, thanks. You guys can sit down. Matt, you're a weirdo. You're excited about slavery. (laughs) Yes, I am a weirdo. I'll claim that. Before we jump into this text, though, I feel like we need to address slavery here, okay? First off, 
These verses and no other passage in Scripture condones or promotes slavery. Okay? That is a lie. And if somebody says that or claims that, they obviously haven't done their homework. And if we choose to believe that, then we are not choosing to do our homework either. There is no place in Scripture that promotes or condones slavery. And yet many think that because it talks about and addresses slavery, that that's why we shouldn't believe it. Or that's why, how can God be good if slavery happens? How can all these things happen? Well, the, the, the answer to that question is, is because sin is in the world, not because of God. But because if we can't choose to reject God, we can't truly love him. And so he gave us that freedom of choice. And so because sin is in this world, and we all have the choice to, to make every day, every day we get up to, to sin or not, this needs to be addressed in Scripture because slavery is not just about what has happened in America. Slavery has been, it's recorded as early back as 6800 B.C. before Christ that it's, there are recorded acts of slavery in Scripture, or in history of mankind, not in Scripture. <clears throat> but slavery was very well prevalent, very, uh, it was throughout the world during the time of Scripture as well, long before America was ever even a nation. So there are four descriptions that I would like to offer uh, summarizing biblical teaching on slavery. This is provided by one theologian. And, and this is what he believes and what I also believe as to why Scripture does not promote or condone slavery. First of all, the Bible regulates but does not ordain or require slavery. Slavery is not a divine institution. And so there are multiple Scripture references there. Um, I'll give you a second if you want to write them down and look them up yourself. Or if you don't have time, you've got my email and my cell phone number in the communicator. Let me know. I'll send them to you if you didn't get them all written down. The Bible regulates but does not ordain or require slavery. Slavery is not a divine institution. Second, Paul taught that if you can gain your freedom, then go for it. And that's in 1 Corinthians 7. But he also says, do not let it consume you. If you can gain your freedom, absolutely, go for it. But do not let it consume you. The third point that is made by this theologian says, the New Testament sows a seed for the unmasking of slavery, for the sin that it is, and its eventual destruction. You see, if we are all image bearers and all created equal in God's sight, regardless of the tone of our skin or where we are from in the world or what socioeconomic class we may or may not be born into, to rule over like a tyrant, like a dictator, any other image bearer of Christ is a sin. And that is throughout all of Scripture. The fourth point is this. Scripture never advocates for bloodshed or rebellion in confronting and overturning evil structures of society and culture. Rather, it attacks with the beauty of the gospel, the grace of God, and the ethic of love. 
For most of us, when we hear about slavery, though, we think of America. We think about the 1600s and when that began, where African Americans were tragically and wrongly taken as slaves and brought here. Many fellow African Americans were the ones taking them in Africa, as well as whites and British and you name it. Everybody was involved in this horrible tragedy. They were treated horribly. They were treated like property instead of image bearers of God. It's a very, very dark time in our history as a nation. And horribly, even prominent religious leaders owned slaves and were for slavery. And that sickens me to think of that, that there were pastors and spiritual leaders then that owned slaves and was for slavery. And yet, in spite of that, God raised up other believers who opposed slavery. And slavery did end in 1865 in the United States. At least it became illegal. Take note of this. Only where there was and is a Christian impulse will slavery come to an end. In the United States and in any other place around the world where slavery has come to an end, at least in the legal system, I'm not saying that it's not happened in the underground, but at least in those situations, only where there has been a Christian impulse has slavery come to an end. And so while there was a horrible tragic choices of spiritual leaders who did nothing and even promoted it. It was only through other Bible-believing, God-fearing men and women that God used to bring it about. And they didn't use it through bloodshed. Unfortunately, it took that through the Civil War. Men and women like Wilberforce, Wesley, and even the Grimke sisters and not to mention countless African-American brothers and sisters who either earned their freedom, escaped, or were still slaves themselves and yet helped many others. And, and tragically, we don't have many of those stories or those names as prevalent. If you guys look back through Khalif's uh, Facebook pages, he didn't know I was going to do this to him, but um, he did a series um, during Black History Month where he highlighted all of these amazing African-American men and women who have done unbelievable things. And he really spent a lot of time and research on it. So check his Facebook feed. Go back. Uh, Khalif, what month was that? February. Go back to February and check that out. I learned so much just reading those and just bringing to mind a lot of how many stories like that are lost in the archives of time and history because of slavery, because of racism, things like that. So thank you, Khalif, for leading out in that, doing that. But in spite of slavery ending today in the U.S., it still is prevalent throughout the world. The definition of modern slavery is this, someone forced to work through coercion or mental, by mental or physical threat. Someone who is owned or controlled by an employer through mental or physical abuse or the threat of abuse. Someone who is dehumanized, treated as a commodity, or bought or sold as a property. Someone who is physically restrained or have restrictions placed on their freedom of movement. Just a couple of stats real quick about slavery throughout the world. 
There are over 45 million men and women and children in slavery around the world. Over 45 million around the world. The majority are women and children. There are 167 countries around the world that this is going on, this is prevalent, that it's the government and officials look the other way when it comes to slavery. In 1850, in America, a slave would cost an owner around $40,000 in today's money. Today, a slave costs their owner $90. $90. You do the quick math on that, and something that's only 90 bucks versus $40,000, well, just think about your own stuff. If you've got something that costs you forty grand versus $90, which one are you going to give most time and attention and respect to? As I mentioned earlier, it's been around since the beginning of time, recorded as early as 6800 BC. There are more slaves in the world today than there ever have been before. Let that sink in for just a minute. There are a few things that reveal the depth and breadth of the total depravity of mankind, like the institution of slavery. So what was slavery like during the time that the, this book of Titus was written? One out of every three people in Rome was a slave. So in this room, if there's about 150, 170 of us here this morning, I don't know, that's about 50 or 60 of us are slaves. One out of every five people in the world elsewhere during this time were a slave. They became slaves through capture, through kidnapping, and sometimes even their own choice. They had no more options. They were out of money. They were out of a place to live. They didn't have food. And because it was such a prevalent institution, there was no other way for them to even survive without saying, I will be your slave if you will give me food and a place to sleep. And there are many parts of the world today where parents will sell their kids into slavery so that they can survive. Racial, um, race was not an issue when it came to slavery during this time. They didn't care what your skin color was or where you were from. It was a foundation of Roman commerce and life. So Matt, thanks for this depressing, wonderful history and civics lesson. What does this have to do with us? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I really like when you ask questions I'm prepared to answer. Couple of reasons. One is to expand our thinking about the world. You see, we as believers should be concerned with not just Anderson, Missouri, McDonald County, or even the U.S. We need to be concerned with what's going on in the entire world. Why? So we can pray for them. Because there are believers that are being subjected to this around the world. And maybe the Lord might call us to do something about it. I don't know. 
And the other reason is there are principles in these two verses that Paul is asking those Christian slaves in this church on the island of Crete to apply to their lives. And these same principles, we have the opportunity to apply to our lives today. Okay? So, we're going to jump in here. And I'm going to pray one more time. Because you can't pray enough. Lord, open our minds, please. Open your word. Speak to us. What is our response this morning? What is our response to you? What is, your, what is our response to your word? Lord, I need you. Speak through me. Amen. So as we do this, I want to I share with you a Bible study method that I use when I'm reading scripture or even when I'm preparing for a sermon. This is something simple that each one of you can use in your own personal time. So as I walk through our text this morning and, and we walk through this together and different things, I want you to, to kind of pay attention to this and say, oh, I, actually, I can do that too. Matt's not that smart. I'm not. You can do this too. <laughs> okay? This is a role that God's given me, but it doesn't mean that I'm the best one at it. And so um, you guys can all do this in your own personal study time. And I believe wholeheartedly that if we take that effort as we read the word in our times of study on our own, God will become more real to us. Our relationship with him will grow. So very simple. Who, what, why, how? And you can even add when and where. Just ask those questions as you read a passage of scripture. Ask those simple questions. Who, what, why, when, and where, how? This morning, we're just going to cover who, what, why, and how because the when and the where we've covered in previous texts. We, we know where. We know it's the island of Crete. We know it's one of the Greek islands. We know, uh, we know the timeline uh, during the Roman Empire. We, we know that stuff from past weeks. All right. So I'm going to read our two verses for us again. Because they're short. Slaves are to submit to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God, our Savior, in everything. What are the who? Who are the who's? This is like that baseball analogy, right? I'm going to confuse all of us. The who's in these verses. All right, the who's in these verses. Well, we've got Paul, the author, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing it to Titus, right? And then Titus to then be able to pass on to his church on the island of Crete, the Cretans. All right, so there's, there's some who's in the background of these actual verses, more about in the book itself, the context of the book. In these verses itself, we have slaves. Talking about slaves here. Some of your translations may say bond servants. Okay, we, we learned about that on Titus 1. One, when Paul said, I'm a bondservant or a slave of Christ. So in this text, in these two texts, these two verses, um, the slaves here are those taken by choice without, those taken by choice, they're surrendering to it, those taken by force without a choice. How does this apply to us today? Well, elsewhere in the scriptures, we see where we are slaves to sin if we have not chosen Christ. And so that can be implied. 
Also in scriptures, we can be a slave to Christ. Like Paul mentioned in verse 1, chapter 1, we can be Christ's bondservant if we have surrendered and given our lives to him and chosen him as our Lord and Savior. Additional context for us today. Is anybody in here an employee? Anybody in here owe somebody money? A bank? Credit card company? Whatever? Anybody in here rent? That pretty much covers all of us. In some way, form, or fashion, we have somebody above us in authority. Okay? Now, it may not be to the point of having a master where we don't have freedom of movement and different things, but there are limitations of what we can do. You know, if we have to travel for our job or if we have to perform certain duties in order to gain a paycheck, we have to have that paycheck because we owe people money. And depending on how much money we owe depends on what kind of job we have to have to pay that back. Am I right? If you're debt-free, well, you can work at McDonald's and probably survive. If you're not debt-free, you've got to find something else or more than one thing. So those, all those things determine how much in slavery, if you will, we are. Another who in these verses is the masters. So in this point in time, in scripture references or other parts of the world, those are the oppressors to those who are in slavery. Today, those could be the employers, the lenders, the landlords, um, the people who work for you. Or you work for if you're not having people underneath you. So the masters. The other who in these verses is God our Savior. He's the creator and savior, the one graciously and patiently calling us to join him in relationship. To offer us his saving grace, fellowship with him. And the great thing about being his bondservant, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're not going to walk in the office, so to speak, tomorrow morning and everything's changed. Or they've got a box on your desk waiting for you to pack it up because you're done. I've been through that twice. I know how that feels. So the five what's of this verse are a little bit more clear than the who's. The who's you have to dig a little bit more usually. The five what's using our Bible study method that the slaves and we are being asked to do. The first one is to submit. That's in verse 9. Not because of man or to man, but to Jesus Christ. See, in Romans 13, it tells us there, are no, there is no authority above us that God has not allowed to be there. You say, Matt, what about Hitler? What if we lived back during that time and it was Hitler? God allowed him to come into power. And I'm not going to claim to know all the whys. I don't have to know all the whys. But I know that much was done during that time by courageous, Bible-believing, God-fearing men and women like there was when slavery was ending in the U.S. that God used. He says we are to submit. And it's not about submitting to man. It's about submitting to God. There are some exceptions to that rule. If it's unbiblical, if it's illegal, if it's unethical or immoral. So submitting to Hitler back then? Didn't have to. 
Remember what we said earlier, though. Scripture never advocates for bloodshed or rebellion in confronting and overturning evil structures of society or culture. Rather, it attacks with the beauty of the gospel, the grace of God, and the ethic of love. There is a time to fight when God calls us to, not on our own terms. And we see that throughout Scripture as well. So the first one was submit. The second one is to be well-pleasing. It's not just to do what they say, as long as it's not unbiblical, illegal, unethical, or immoral, but it's also to be well-pleasing. Ephesians 6, 6 and 7 says this, Don't work only while being watched as people-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ. There's that word again. Do God's will from your heart. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. To please Christ, not not man, in action and attitude through the filling of the Holy Spirit. It talks about that in Ephesians 5, with the mind of Christ. Talking about that in Philippians 2. So submitting, well-pleasing, not talking back, not speaking against. Not speaking against. Do we find ourselves complaining about our jobs, our bosses, our whatever? Right here it says not to speak against. The biggest reflection of what is in a heart is what we say. Ouch. What we say is the biggest reflection of what's going on inside of our heart. The Bible clearly tells us that. Luke 6.45, out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. What is inside us? Take account of what you say and you'll know. Also not to steal. Having integrity, character, not falsifying a timesheet or an expense report or mileage or taking those extra items out of office supplies because you need some at home, or fill in the blanks. Proverbs 11.1, 1. Dishonest scales are detestable to the Lord, but an accurate weight is his delight. Honesty and integrity, in other words, in all things. You'll never go wrong in it. And you sleep way better at night, too. Submitting, well-pleasing, not talking back, not stealing, demonstrating faithfulness. To show it and display it with our words and our actions. Does your boss, does your lender, does that person over you in authority in your life, do they see you demonstrating faithfulness? Do they see me demonstrating faithfulness in how I speak and how I act? Does the transforming power of the gospel radiate from you? Are we polite, productive, and honest? So we've talked about the who's, and we've talked about the what's. How about the why? The verses clearly show us this. To display the beauty and excellence of the teaching of the gospel, to adorn the gospel. I struggled with a way to convey this better, but it's, I don't know how to in that 
Guys, when we, we are living our lives in a way of trying to serve and please Christ, we are demonstrating that faithfulness. The gospel, it's, we're getting to be decorated with the gospel, so to speak. And so when people see us, they see the gospel. For, the, for those who may not be familiar with that word gospel in the room, gospel means good news. And why is it good news? Because Jesus Christ paid for our sin once and for all on the cross. The good news is, is that there's nothing we can do to earn that. Our only part in the good news is saying, yes, I believe I believe in you. I believe that only you can save me. The good news is that he desires to be in relationship with us. That he loves us. He, <clears throat> we are his treasure. And we'll, we'll look at this in coming weeks and explore that more. But we're like, we're like his, his masterpiece. There is nothing else in, in creation that bears his image. And by trying to do things on our own, we are not accurately adorning the gospel or demonstrating faithfulness. And yet, we are are very quick to demonstrate and display other things on us, aren't we? Our favorite sports teams, hats, t-shirts, I had one on yesterday, supporting my son's college Frisbee team. Yes, it's a real thing, Frisbee sport. YouTube it if you don't believe me, Ultimate Frisbee, JBU Iron Fist. (laughs) We had on their shirts yesterday, cheering them on. They have a flag for their team. (laughs) We were demonstrating that we are fans of that team and what we had on and how we cheered. And yet, what matters eternally? Do we readily do the same? I'm not saying we all have to have Jesus saves hats and what would Jesus do t-shirts or anything like that. All those, those can be great things. It should be more about our speech. It should be more about our actions. It should be more about our willingness to share his love with others around us. The last Bible study method this morning is the how to do it. How? It's believing and knowing the teaching, believing and knowing the gospel. So just like the rest of the book of Titus that we've been studying, our behaviors will reflect what we believe, just like our speech will reflect what's in our hearts. So being grounded in sound doctrine, in the word of God, Doing this together on Sundays. Doing it in your own personal time. This should supplement your personal time and be in conjunction. This should not be the only time that you're in the Word. To be sound in the faith. That was the main characteristic last week, wasn't it? About the older men and the older women teaching the younger men and the younger women was being sound in the faith, sound in the doctrine. Matt, great. What do you want us to do with this? Another great question. You guys are on fire this morning. 
<laughs> well, first off, what we should do with this, like I said at the beginning, slavery is real and prevalent for many people in the world. And that should, if nothing else, cause us to stop and pray and remember them. And it happens here. People are taken here. People are in slavery here in the U.S. Even though slavery was abolished. That doesn't mean it's gone. So be in prayer. Don't be naive to think that there is that much depravity in the world and that that is going on. Be willing. If God calls you to action, be willing. I don't know what that would look like. Maybe it's to go to a third world country. Maybe it's to get involved on an organization that, that has the information and the knowledge and you can be praying through and with them. Maybe it's to support them in that. I don't know. I had a cousin who was, felt called to it and he went to conferences to learn how to rescue girls out of being kidnapped and stolen for sex trafficking. And so he was doing what he felt he was called to do and was supposed to do. He adopted like 15 kids too. So he was, he was all in. <clears throat> That's first. Second, for those of us not in physical bondage to slavery, we are spiritually. Whether you realize it or not, each one of us in here are a slave spiritually. We are a slave either to sin and darkness, as it says in Romans 6, 6, that without Christ, that we are enslaved to sin. That leads to death. And that leads to destruction with no hope and no purpose. Or, we are a slave to Jesus Christ, a bondservant to him, where we are placed under grace, not the law. And that leads to our salvation, our future, our hope. And in only that place can we be satisfied. See, as you are a slave to sin, and you are seeking for things, trying to satisfy you, if it's in, you name it. It can be a million different things. It can be in entertainment. It can be in drugs. It can be in alcohol. It can be in sex. It can be in work. It can be in hobbies. It can be all these things. And we talked about some of these last week. You will wake up not satisfied because it is only in him that we can be satisfied. That's how he made us. He knows. He knows. It's like creating a lawnmower and then trying to chop down a tree with it. It might work, but it'd be really rough. And there's only certain trees you might get at with it before you had to fix it a thousand times, huh, Mike? That's right. You'd be seeing Mike every day with that thing. He'd have him fix that thing up for you. The third thing is that without Christ, the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us, we will be rebellious, not submissive. Our speech and contact will be irritable and provoking, not pleasant and encouraging. We will be thieves and dishonest, not upright and honest. We will be unfaithful, not faithful. An embarrassment, not a blessing. Hey, I know I wake up every morning saying, how can I be an embarrassment today? Anybody else? No. <laughs> like, how can I not botch this today? How can I not fail through Christ. Because that's who we need to be pleasing, not man. So today we have to answer these questions. 
We have to answer these two questions right here. And you can think you're not, but you are by not answering. The first one is to what am I a slave or a bondservant to? Which one? The second one is, which would I rather be a slave or a bondservant to? Would you rather be a slave and a bondservant to darkness and sin and destruction? Or to what creation is reminding us of outside this morning? With the sun and the warmth and the beauty of new life all around us. Are you satisfied with your answers? My wife was sharing with me some reflections that she's been having and that and it's such a great reminder about darkness is, is always here. Darkness is the absence of light. Only light takes the darkness away. Light has to have a source. Doesn't it? You go into the middle of a cave down deep, it's dark unless you bring a source for light. And that is Christ. And that can be us. So would you pray for me one more time? Pray for me. Pray for each other. Pray with me. And the worship team's going to come back up and, and help us have some time of response here. But um, I would just like to just be available for you, if you would like. Um, if you'd like to come up and pray on your own, pray where you're at. If you need to ask somebody, hey, what is this being a slave to Christ look like? What does that mean, Matt? What, is that, what does that look like? I'd love to tell you. As I can tell you, it's, it's not like slavery as we know it as humans. It's joy, it's satisfaction, it's peace. And that even when the hard things of life are going on around you, like we prayed for at the beginning of our time, for everybody who's going through tough things right now, there's still hope. There still can be joy in that. Because he is good and he has paid the price. And our lives are significant and important, but it's a blip compared to the, all eternity. And so if you would like to come and ask that of me, talk to me, want me to pray for you, please feel free to. Uh, and then we'll, we'll end in song and praising our Jesus. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the reminder of these two verses about the questions we have to answer for ourselves of who do we want to be a slave to? To you, the giver of life, the creator of all things good, the one who loves us so much that you sacrificed your son to sin and death for our sake. And you raised him from the dead so that death would be defeated forever. 
So Lord, we, uh, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. And Lord, would you just open hearts and minds and eyes that for anyone who does not know you this morning, that they would see the deliverance from the slavery through the power of your gospel. In your name.